Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. Delighted you're listening to this sports podcast where it is rivalry week in college football. Matt Wittenberg joins the show again. We're talking Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, USC, Alabama, Auburn, everything. And the updated playoff picture with Tennessee losing some open channels there after USC beat UCLA. Can the Pac-12 get a representative? TCU still alive and undefeated. Lots to break down the college football world with Matt Wittenberg. And then Ryan Souls joins the program to talk Patrick Mahomes' brilliance. Another comeback. Him and Kelsey torch the Chargers again. We break down all the action in the NFL. The Eagles continue on. The Vikings get destroyed by the Cowboys. And we look at some games in this Thanksgiving slate, which actually isn't too bad. But it's Matt Wittenberg and Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now it's time for my favorite part of the year, favorite and saddest, uh, the end of college football season, but also the best weekend of the year. Football-wise, Matt Wittenberg on the show to talk rivalry week and to recap uh, a stunning Saturday, which we weren't really expecting. But, Witt, thanks for coming back on the show. Last week of college football, we're going to go out in style. I appreciate the time you're taking to talk college ball here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you said it, best weekend of the year, uh, rivalry weekend, just all across the country and ton of fun matchups, especially, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it, but the game, uh, big game, big, big game with uh, the Ohio State and Michigan. So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting slate. I love that it's spread out over Friday and Saturday, so makes it a fun, fun uh, turkey day. Turkey yeah. weekend, I should say. Oh, I'm starting Thursday night with the Egg Bowl. Like, no, we're that's right. Three yep. days now. Uh, but, you know, we're going to get to all the rivalries and everything. And, and I mentioned it, too. The week before, I wasn't bracing myself for just all the chaos and carnage of which there was in college football. We knew there were some big games. But the first thing I noticed was just how the top five teams, all of them collectively, did not play their best game. And in some cases, it was catastrophic. In others, it was just survive in advance and We'll see what happens. But were you shocked that it was a consistent thing that a lot of these teams just didn't have it? Maybe maybe it is human nature that you're looking ahead a little bit to your big rival. Yeah, I was definitely surprised that all five collectively struggled to different degrees, like you alluded to. But, I mean, you normally expect one or two teams come out flat looking ahead to next weekend. I kind of thought that Michigan and Ohio State, if I had to pick out any teams, that we're going to look flat would be those two just because of what's at stake next week. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they did. I, I mean, mean, Ohio State score looks a little better getting yeah. that uh, turnover late. But yeah, I, I, I yeah. thought that Baylor would give TCU a good test too, but I thought that TCU would still probably win by maybe <laughs> – seven or ten points but I right. mean they literally brought that town to the wire right no time out so right. but it was an exciting weekend yeah and then just kind of go in order uh Georgia the top team you know that was that wasn't a game that was great for them but it's a game they've played and it shouldn't be too shocking Kentucky when they're on can be tough I mean they were a top 10 team not too long ago so I don't know that that and, and not that they have a big game it's obviously Georgia Tech next week but they're kind of on autopilot until the SEC title game. And even so, mm-hmm. we saw last year, they're already in the playoff. Like, we can just put Georgia in unless they obviously were to lose to Georgia. So, um, Yeah, exactly. They're, uh, they did it last year, too. So, nothing new for them. Uh, Stetson Bennett continues to be steady, which is all they really need him to be. And then, mm-hmm. Port, I mean, Kentucky is a big takeaway. It's just like all the hype that they had going into this year with Will Levis being a potential 
top 10 maybe pick in the NFL draft coming up. But, yeah, just all in all, I know he's had some injury issues this season, but just not exactly what Kentucky had in mind coming into the season. No, now falling out of the rankings completely. It, it, it's gone south fast for Kentucky. Uh, on the flip side of that and just looking, you know, Ohio State on the surface, a little sloppy, kind of got away from them, had to fight at the end. I don't know that, and this may be just me putting down Maryland a little bit, I don't think I ever felt really threatened as a fan watching that game. Like, even when they got it to six late and they made that field goal, it was a sloppy performance, but one I could kind of chalk up to just looking ahead. Michigan did the mm-hmm. same, but they almost lost the game, and and that's where you look at offensively the issues they're going to have. Not that Ohio State's defense is always consistently good, but you know what you're up against on the other side of the ball. They nursed them to, you know, they they... Death by a thousand cuts, those field goals at the end, and that questionable pick call that wasn't were two big things in the game. But Michigan was kind of fortunate. I think they were the better team for most of it, but it was a coin flip at the end, and they were lucky to survive. Yeah, they were, especially you figure with them that being at home to come out a little stronger. And Illinois got a pretty good defense, and one of the more like good stories of the season is what uh, Brett Bielema has done there this mm-hmm. this year, but. I think for Michigan, the real question coming out of that is what uh, Blake Corum's status is going into this week because obviously he got banged up in that one and supposedly is good to go. But, I mean, you never know until you actually get to the day of and see if he's limited or what he looks like. So that's going to be hanging over the lead up to this one. Yeah, and and I don't want to, obviously, being completely unbiased here, if he doesn't play well, they don't win this game. I mean, he's just so important. You don't want to rest yeah, on the absolutely. passing offense. Um, that said, I mean, you mentioned the TCU game. I wanted to get into that. Baylor, we expected to give them a game. They did. They came out fighting. It was a back-and-forth game. All, all credit to TCU now, 11-0. They keep winning these games down at the wire, trailing in the fourth quarter in a lot of them. I just want to say props to the kicker for making that sprint field goal. They did everything wrong offensively. If they would have lost this game, Sonny Dykes would have gotten destroyed, and deservedly so, mm-hmm. in the media and in the press. Not just for the final play, but for really that whole drive, not managing the clock. They're very fortunate that their kicker bailed them out, which it was a 40-plus yarder on a windy day. One of the more clutch kicks in pro or college I've seen in a long time. Yeah, with no timeout leading into it. It was basically <laughs> Couldn't the even ball gets spotted and oh, run out. Yeah, with the... Uh, literally the clock was ticking off and then the guy didn't even take his like warm-up steps he kicked it cold <laughs> straight through so i mean props to him and then gutsy gutsy call obviously he said sunny dyke said in the post-game interview that they practice that all the time but i mean doing it yeah. in practice and doing it in a game are two completely different things but hey i mean credit to that whole field goal unit though for everyone getting lined up in the right spot no one jumping or anything and obviously the kicker for making it and yeah the charm season continues i mean they're everyone says how they're it's only a matter of time before they get knocked off but i mean they're running out of chances to get knocked yeah. off there's two games left before they're in the playoffs so i know yeah i mean credit where credit's due on that and max duggan continues to play really well yeah that was a uh, very very impressive survival skills by tcu they are definitely the most battle tested i think you could say of any of these teams in the hunt with what they've yeah. been through uh, just Iowa State next week, followed by oh, it looks like a rematch with. Uh, is that official, by the way? Uh, Kansas State is that going to definitely not official, not official but, but that, looks that way. Yeah, okay. exactly. So the big upset was the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, man, what a brutal loss! And they were sitting. I don't want to say pretty, but they were sitting pretty good. Given if they would have won out, they would have looked pretty good for a four seed, depending on if craziness would have happened. 
Um, but just to get completely dismantled by Spencer Rattler in South Carolina, a South Carolina team wit who put up exactly 10 points against Mizzou about a month ago, and now they're putting 60-plus points. I, I checked the stats. It's the biggest lopsided win for an unranked team versus a top, you know, versus a top five team yeah. in history. And the hooker injury out for the out for the season, out for his college career now over with the ACL injury, just brutal. Uh, just mm-hmm. a brutal break for Tennessee, who, by the way, would have taken 10-2 and two gladly when the season started. But this is looking very sour and uh, shows you why it's hard to just even win the games you're supposed to when the pressure mounts. It is, yeah. And, I mean, going back to South Carolina, even like going back to last week against Florida, they put up six points in the slump against, and then we just see – Florida get turned around and beat by Vanderbilt this week. So it's, yeah, to say that this was unlikely, I think is underselling it, but credit to Spencer Rattler and that whole offense and Shane Beamer. I mean, obviously they came out firing and Tennessee's defense has been sort of like their Achilles heel off season. Mm. It hasn't really come back to bite them other than against Georgia, but it's just, yeah, everything that could go wrong went wrong Mm. on defense. Guys were not playing their assignments. They were doing a ton of talking. I'm just like, Come on, man. If you spent all the time talking or spent half the time focusing on the play instead of talking, then you might actually get a stop here. But hey, credit to Spencer Rattler. Like I said, he looked like everything that was advertised for him coming out of high school as that number one recruit. And obviously, it didn't work out for him at Oklahoma and hadn't worked out uh, this year at South Carolina up until this game. But yeah, just a, a tough one for the Vols. Obviously, with Hooker going down, definitely puts more of a sour note on their season. And yeah. you just hope that they can finish strong, beat Vandy, and then um, hope by some chance make it to a New Year's Six Bowl, which they they might still be sitting pretty for. It's just tough. Like I said, when you're the hunted, it's tough to bring it every game. You know, this is a new role mm-hmm. for them, and it, it is. It shows you why teams like Bama and now Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, when they're in that role, have been doing a good job kind of maintaining. Uh, and Spencer Rat, where I have been critical of him, but that game was truly remarkable. 30 for 37, 438, six touchdowns, no picks. So we'll see if he can carry that uh, as well. But Tennessee's loss opened the door. For the Pac-12's lone representative left, USC wins that thriller game. Uh, yeah, it was probably pretty good for my first, uh, you know, Battle of Los Angeles game to attend that one. I might have to take a few years off after uh, <laughs> after it, but it was exciting. Uh, a forty, uh, excuse me, final score that I'm pulling up right now, but I think it was forty-eight, forty-five, or fifty-one. Yes. 40, yeah, forty-eight, forty-five. Uh, they. You know, uh, props to Caleb Williams. He's amazing. Obviously going to be a Heisman finalist, has a chance to win it in this USC offense that's able to move the ball at will. Uh, defensively, I think both teams left a lot to be desired from what I saw, but USC is very comfortable in these shootout roles. I will give them that. They are very, very, you know, it, it, equipped to play well with when it turns into a track meet, at least in conference. We'll see about next week, but this was the pace that they wanted to play, and they shined. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that's what USC had envisioned when Lincoln Riley took the job and when Caleb Williams announced that he was transferring there and then get the cherry on top with Jordan Addison joining too. So just like, hey, credit to all of those guys for doing their jobs as well as they have this season with all of the expectations. Um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know if that defense is sustainable, like you said, but it's been good enough up to this point only the one slip up so far against Utah but the next two games are going to be tough 
uh, with Notre Dame coming this week and then whoever they get in the Pac-12 championship looking like either Oregon or maybe Utah again. So small chance for Washington in there, but it's in all likelihood not. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like he's Caleb Williams is probably the Heisman front runner at this point. Obviously, a couple games to go and some big games, and C.J. Stroud's going to have a chance to make a statement against Michigan next week. So race isn't over by any stretch, but, man, he was so good. And credit to uh, DTR for playing well on the UCLA sideline. He obviously was pretty banged up and took a bunch of shots, made some mistakes, threw some picks, but I just, like, drive after drive, he kept, kept coming back. So, I mean, it's he's been there forever. He's had some up, big ups and downs, so it's nice to sort of see him put it all together, even though they did come up a little short. Yeah, I, I uh, just to get to your Heisman thing, I think Williams is there for sure. I think Stroud Corum could be for the Heisman as well, depending on if one of those guys tear it up this week. I think those are probably the three with Hooker's injury. But would you mm-hmm. say that's probably what we're looking at? I mean, yeah. I also think they all have work to do, right? Caleb's got to... Maybe Duggan, too. Maybe, yeah. You know, he's up there. If Caleb plays well, beats Notre Dame, plays well, beats, assumedly, Oregon, if they don't blow the, the Civil War game, I think Caleb will win the Heisman. But that's a lot to ask, yeah. too. So um, that seems to be... It's kind of all taking shape, which is good. I also don't understand the... Uh, I guess I don't quite understand the criticism that I've seen in the local LA media with Chip Kelly. Like, this was a pretty good year for them. I know USC's kind of on their way to being a juggernaut, but I wouldn't be critical. This was, you know, a good year for him. Let's at least let him see a bad year after, you know, building up to this point. Yeah, exactly. Hey, he's definitely struggled at various times throughout his tenure so far, Chip Kelly. And, I mean, obviously a pretty bad loss last week against uh, Arizona. That's going to bother them for a while. But all in all, a really successful season. They definitely wish they could have come up with this one at home but yeah I mean it seems like they're on a good trajectory it's just going to be a matter of replacing uh DTR since this is his probably final uh final game there or well I guess they have next week in the bowl game but final season with the Bruins yeah five years it it really feels like he's there longer but he did have a great career he did have a great UCLA career so we'll see what ends up happening and you know nothing's guaranteed here uh we're doing this before the playoff ranking so I just want to mention what what it's looking like, what it's shaping for, uh, and the fact that if we had 12 teams right now, you'd have Penn State and maybe Washington in there. That's kind of what the drop down is, Notre Dame circling. <laughs> so I kind of like that it's four. I've always been on the record with that, and I think this year is going to be great. Well, we're going to see Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, one to four. I think that's pretty obvious in, in that order. And yep. then you have USC and, and LSU, five, six. Clemson over Bama, Tennessee. I mean, that's where it gets kind of muddled is – that next group. And I don't know, Clemson would probably need some help. I don't think anybody below them could really make a move here, but you know, I I think it's pretty much straightforward. And then we're going to have the, we won't have the resume building, the resume showcasing until after this week, maybe after conference championship week, there could be some real debates, but right now I think it's pretty solid. Yeah. Clemson. I mean, North Carolina losing to Georgia tech this past week didn't do them any favors. So that, that win's not going to look as good if they do beat them in, um, in the ACC championship and they get a pretty tough one in uh, South Carolina Mm -hmm. this week. So a big rivalry game, but yeah, I don't think it'll be nearly enough to make up the ground for how bad they were against Notre Dame. So I think the playoff, it's going to be fascinating, right? Georgia beats Georgia Tech. They're in regardless of what happens. Ohio State, Michigan. I'm just going to assume that if it is Iowa, 
props to them yeah, for turning they, their they season bet. around. But that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, no, seriously, props to them for even getting to that game. Big 10 West has been a disaster this year. What's just What's the, the spread going to be with either of those teams? Probably like 28, maybe. Like, yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. even going to be close. So Ohio State, Michigan, <laughs> we're just going to put them in uh, some pen, I think, in the uh, in one of those teams for sure. Yeah. I think after that, it gets interesting because I think TCU, and this is where I'll, I'll, I'll touch to you, I think TCU is probably going to make it with one loss. I think they would still have a good chance to make it because I think, and I know USC could win out, but I think a one-loss TCU, assuming, I guess, if the loss is this week yeah. for sure, I think they would still be in a good shape. I don't know that USC is going to go undefeated, but if they did, or undefeated throughout, I think if they did, they would be in. I actually think LSU, if they beat Georgia, has a really great chance. And so I think that's where you'll see the debates. Ohio State, Michigan, can they both get in if the game's close? Again, unbiasedly, I think Ohio State has a better resume, and I think Michigan's going to be the team that might not get in over a one-loss TCU or or certainly a one-loss USC team if they complete this hat trick. No, probably not. Especially if, well, either of those teams, TCU and USC, would have a conference championship on their resume compared Mm -hmm. to in this case, Michigan team that wouldn't have mm-hmm. even played in there, yeah. played for their conference championship. So, yeah, yeah it seems like an uphill battle. Notre Dame doing better is helping Ohio State. I think Clemson's going to yep. need a lot of help. And I think LSU, if they went out, I could see them getting in over a one-loss USC. That's a tough one. I think they think they would get in over a one-loss Michigan. TCU, tough. I mean, that's when we're really going to have to see. If LSU can find a way to beat Georgia – I know the loss to Tennessee and Florida State were bad, but that's Bama and Georgia in the same year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Georgia and Atlanta. <laughs> and then, well, TCU would have, uh, if the TCU loses to Iowa State, that is going to really ding them, even if they do end up beating Kansas State like the week after for to win the Big 12. But yeah. that'll be an ugly, ugly uh, blemish on their resume. Yeah, it's like the pecking order. One loss TCU team would be below a one-loss USC team, but might be better yeah. than a one-loss Michigan. It's going to be tough. I, I don't know how this is going to shake down. But uh, Matt Wittenberg here on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's talk rivalry week games, some spreads. I mentioned it Thursday night. Me and our guy, Sean Sullivan, who's uh, you know having a rough one in Qatar working for the World Cup <laughs> after Tennessee and then after the draw today against Wales. But we were, on the, we were on the front line for this Egg Bowl having a lot of stakes, and this is one of the better ones in recent memory. Ole Miss taking on Mississippi State Thanksgiving night. Ole Miss at home, minus two and a half point favorites. I kind of like Lane here in this game. I I, I do. I think Ole Miss is going to do pretty well. I know this is a rivalry game. It's tough to gauge, but you know I, I do think the defense has been playing better. They had a chance to beat Bama. The only thing that would scare me is if Ole Miss is if Lane's out the door and looking at that offense. Yeah, job. that's that's where I'm coming from. I think that I think that all but a given to happen and they looked terrible against Arkansas last week. So I think that uh, the writing's on the wall for this. I feel like this state comes in, gets the upset wins out. Right. Obviously yeah. Will Rogers plays really well. Mike Leach is good at, in rivalry games. Mm. So I think that uh, the Bulldogs pull this one off in this year's egg bowl. And then uh, Ole Miss is looking for a new coach come the Jeez. first week of December. I know Mississippi state though. I don't know if I have the, I don't know if I have the trust in them based on how they've done in some big games, but yeah, it's going to be exciting. And then the coaching carousel is going to start maybe after this game, after mm-hmm. after Thanksgiving uh, dinner, after we feast. It's just going to be time to check the coaching monitor. Uh, what do you think about the Texas Longhorns, who've really shown me very little in a big game, being eight point five, eight and a half point favorites against Baylor at home? Yeah, I mean Baylor put up a lot of fight against TCU 
last week. But other than that, they haven't been particularly strong this year. Blake Shape and their quarterbacks pretty inconsistent. So, yeah, I mean, I think Texas looked great at uh, demolishing Kansas on the road. So I think that they've kind of earned that status. I don't know if they cover, though, because I feel like that might just be a touchdown game. So Ejon Robinson's been incredible lately. He's a guy who might get a, a Heisman invite, too. So I do think that they end up winning. But eight and a half is, like, right on the board of what I would think it would be. Yeah, I just don't like Texas in this role. I think this could be a money line upset, and I think it could also, if it happens, it would it would uh, you know fulfill my nickname of Seven Win Sark. So I think that would be what would happen. <laughs> Baylor had a rough year, but they've been in a lot of the games they've lost. So I think it could be you know a scrappy team. They've had a lot of close losses. BYU game, the game last week with TCU, uh, some tough ones there. We'll monitor that one, and I want to give you the four for Friday at noon Pacific time for the Territory Cup. Territorial <laughs> Cup. We got a big one here, I guess, relatively speaking. Uh, Arizona yeah. jumped out to a four-point favorite at, based on them being UCLA a couple weeks ago, I would assume. But how are we feeling? Yeah. And, 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 you know, I say this as they have ESPN on where I'm recording this, and I just saw Herm Edwards uh, breaking down the NFL. So. <laughs> oh, man. Way to bring back some yeah. bad memories of that. Although Herm was undefeated against Arizona so far. For all of his faults, I'll give him that one, but... I don't know what to expect in this one. I feel like it's going to be probably a relatively high-scoring game just because both defenses are pretty terrible. Um, if I had to pick, though, I, I think U of A is better. And Jalen Delora has been really up and down this year, but it feels like every time he's had a bad game, he's bounced back with a pretty good game. And our defense is a good defense to get right against. So I'm not very optimistic about pulling, pulling off the minor upset in this one. Plus, haven't won in what, like, I feel like it's been a month since the Colorado game, so <laughs> so I'm not very optimistic. I I'll be cheering for them, obviously, and hope we do end up coming out on top. But I'm just ready for the season to be over and hopefully have a new coach by the first week of December too. Yeah, neither team having a chance to go bowling. Uh, so unfortunately, this is it for them. Uh, and I mentioned Iowa. I just want to mention the, the Iowa Nebraska rivalry game that's Friday afternoon. Iowa wins this. They're going to the Big Ten title game again, but how funny would it be if Nebraska just pulled the upset off with an interim coach yeah. and just completely muddling <laughs> Nothing to play for. I, yeah, I guess that would be Purdue then, based on how yeah. it looks if Purdue wins. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, not the best for the Big 12 for sure. Um, same with, uh, you know, Florida, Florida State. How about the Seminoles being nine-and-a-half-point favorites against the Gators? It has been a long time since they've been that big of a favorite, I would have to imagine. Yeah, I mean, Florida has been one of those teams where you could like never really get a good read on them at all this season. They've had some weird perform- that first week win over Utah, where Anthony Richardson won like the week one Heisman, and then when you go back to last week against Sandy, then they get the their doors blown blown off by Georgia and LSU. So, yeah, uh, it's not looking good for Billy Napier in his first season. Obviously, a loss to the Seminoles will be more. Uh, salt in the wound for that one but props to Mike Norvell and Florida State for getting it right this year they I feel like he was on the hot seat going into the season and really needed a big big year and they've hey they've done it and they're uh sitting pretty right there near the top of the ACC just had the bad loss to Clemson so yeah I think that the Knowles end up in winning this one pretty easily 
Clemson in their rivalry game, 14.5-point favorites. I like the points in South Carolina here, and I think this line might have been inflated. Not, I mean, obviously it's funny that South Carolina had the win and the line stayed about the same, but I think a lot of this had to do with the last two weeks Clemson's offense got going. But, you know, we've seen it was Louisville and Miami, Florida, who are just – Miami's just really rough right now. So I think South Carolina actually makes this a game. I, I do. Yeah, I hope so. I mean – with how well that they played last weekend, it would be such a disappointment just to see them <laughs> implode in the, their big rivalry game the week after. So it's going to be interesting. It's a real, uh, especially moving uh, into next season with momentum for Spencer Rattler and company. So, yeah, it's been a while since they've beaten the Tigers and out of Death Valley, so that would be a really good note to end on. But I do think that Clemson ends up covering. All right, let's talk about it. The game taking place at noon. Big Ten kickoff at noon, Eastern time. Ohio State, Michigan doing battle again. Michigan snapped the long win streak that the Buckeyes had last year. This game being played at the Horseshoe, Ohio State, seven and a half point favorites. Uh, Over-under sits at about 57, so a little lower this year. I think Blake Corum's status has a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think the running game for Ohio State is going to be key in this one. If they can, if they have a balanced attack, I, think I feel pretty good about them winning this game. I think that's what they didn't have last year. Dallas Hayden stepping up into the lineup has been very, very good, and uh, we'll see what happens, man. I, I honestly think that this could be the CJ Stroud game that he didn't have last year, and uh, I like the Buckeyes. I'm feeling pretty good. I think they're going to win this game, and I think they're going to cover the spread and. Um, I feel pretty good about it. I'll say, I'll say 30, 34, to, 37 to 20. I'll go there. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a pretty, pretty comfortable margin then. So yeah, I'm feeling good I do today. Think, I, I think you got that Ohio State does win this one. It's just like oh, the Blake Corum question mark is such a big factor in this. So, and it being at home and, Obviously, the added revenge factor from last season, but I don't think it was, it's quite that margin. I think that it does end up being about a touchdown game, so that spread that uh, spread is like very questionable for me which way to lean. But I feel like maybe it ends up being like a ten point game, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's in that touchdown margin. But I do think the Buckeyes win and end up in beating the doors off of Iowa or Purdue, whoever ends up in being in the Big Ten championship game. And that, yeah, I do think that Stroud comes out and makes a statement. Marvin Harrison Jr. has a game, so I feel pretty solid about you guys winning. I think Ryan Day has been waiting for this one, I think, after last yeah. year and, and all that's been said. Comment. And the, and the third base comment and all that stuff. Um, 2000 and what was that, 18? Was that Ur- Urban's last year? Um, I think I'm trying to, yeah, it was the 2018 game is the one that I'm kind of thinking of because that was one where Ohio state didn't look like they were in full gear, but they scored 60 plus with Haskins and everybody. I think that they could be kind of saving some stuff for this game. I think the last couple weeks of just kind of, you know, going through the motions a little bit, I think they're going to really show up on offense. And I think that's kind of the nature of this rivalry game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a really fun one though. I know that majority of the country is going to be watching so feel bad for the other games in the 9 a.m slot or well noon slot for eastern time yeah yeah well you know what that's the perfect time i guess to lose it's just nobody will be talking about it <laughs> just <to sneak laughs> so georgia it. lays an egg yeah georgia tech yeah no one notices 
nobody else uh, really notices. Uh, do you think there's, wow, and it's funny, the, uh, the Iron Ball 21.5-point favorites. You know, stranger things have happened, but this would be, you know, and not a great Alabama team by their standards, but this would be a pretty shocking loss if they didn't win the Iron Bowl. Yeah, I think they. I don't think they cover that though. Auburn's been playing pretty inspired ball, and with the uh, Cadillac Williams taking over, I don't think that they win. But mm. three three touchdowns is a lot, especially yeah. in a rivalry game. So this would be a bad Saban year, just horrible, ten and two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, and like making the Sugar Bowl or whatever yeah. bowl they end up in. Oh man, uh, any chance? I mean, the Beavers take out the Ducks in Oregon, three and a half yeah, point dogs at home. They got a good chance. Yeah, but Oregon State's had a really good year. Their defense is really good. They can run the ball. I got a first-hand look at them last mm-hmm. week, and ASU looked ugly against them, but that's not saying a whole lot. But, yeah, Oregon State's had a really fun season. They should have beaten USC earlier in the year. So, yeah, I mean, I think that'll be a really good competitive game. Obviously, it's a big in-state rivalry, so Oregon with a lot to play for with the Pac-12 championship on the line. I think it does end up being about a field goal game. I lean towards Oregon, though, and then hopefully their offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham, is named the ASU head coach shortly after that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you want. That, that's what you need. Um, <laughs> any, any chance that TCU is in any danger? About 10 points at home favored against Iowa State. No, I don't think so. I, I think if it was on the road, like Iowa State's one of those like random teams like sort of like in a, a Purdue type that can trip you up with your in the sleepy game on the road. But I feel like with them being at home with so much to play for, I think they'll be sharp. I would imagine that that, that they're fine, but I do get some vibes that they play up and down to the competition. They just never sure. really win comfortably. So I, I would love to see the rematch against K-State. I think if K-State's QB doesn't That'll get hurt in that one. game, it could have gone differently and that should be, you know, and I was looking forecasting on that, that line's probably going to be a pick em if it happens. So, I think it'll be a very, very fun game uh, to kind of watch. Uh, then I guess we could, uh, I think that's pretty much, I mean, I guess A&M is only 10-point favorites of dogs at home, which is funny, given how bad it's been for Jimbo and company. I mean, there was like nobody in the stadium last week. <laughs> yeah. Man, that would be, what a way to end the season for them if they somehow end up upsetting LSU in their in their building, uh, in College Station, I should say. It would be yeah, the one highlight of a pretty dismal year, and then that buyout shrinks just a little bit going into next year. So, oh, who knows? Well, I mean, there's a lot of other rivalry games with respect to them. The last one I wanted to mention was Notre Dame and USC. USC trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. Notre Dame has responded nicely since you know that Stanford loss could finish the year nine and three. A weird nine, maybe one of the weirder nine and threes you could ever have, but still, yeah. a nine and three. Uh, they are five point five, anywhere between four and a half to five and a half point underdogs uh, on the road in the Coliseum to USC. I like the matchup for Notre Dame, and I actually think they win this one outright. That's my bold pick of the week. Wow, I wouldn't shock me. How funny is it though that out of <laughs> if I name Ohio State, Marshall, and Stanford, the one thing that they all have in common is that they beat Notre Dame this year. Yep, what, what, a, what a collection of these. I don't think uh, there's one kid in the United States that applied to all three of those schools too. Yeah, I'd be sort of running the gamut there. It's just like shooting shot everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> that that is funny, but yeah, Marcus Freeman's really done a good job these last like month or so of the season. Um it's a it's a rivalry game. It's one of the cooler rivalries though, how it's intersectional and that they switch up the time of the year. But if it's in 
uh, LA, then it's always the last day of the year, or if it's in South Bend, it's in October. So that's a cool aspect mm-hmm. of it. But and yeah, a bunch of Notre Dame fans out here will be hyped up for it. Um, mm-hmm. I think USC ends up in winning just because I I don't think Notre Dame's offense can keep up, but it'll be a really fun one. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they, if Notre Dame does end up pulling the upset, but. I lean USC's way here. I think Notre Dame plays up and down to the level of competition. That's so true. I think that's part <laughs> of my uh, my reasoning. I think Mayer's maybe the best, not maybe, he is the best tight end in college. And I he also... Travis Dye being out. Yeah. I mean, he didn't play against UCLA, obviously, but I, that's I just, such a big component of their offense. I just think pressure is such a crazy thing, right? Like Notre Dame not having any real pressure in this game and USC knowing they have to win this one and then another one and... You know, mm-hmm. crazy stuff. It's also what it also would complete my Pac-12 self-destruction, uh, you know, theory of USC then winning next week. So that's what I, that's what I kind of thought that they would win both games and then both Pac-12 games, but lose Notre Dame, and that would cost them the playoff. Yeah, how funny would that be though? That the Pac-12 finally makes the playoff after however long, and then two years down the road, the team's going to be in the Big Ten. So. Yeah, I was saying I was at that nice Big Ten, <laughs> you know, that Big Ten futures game. On yeah, Saturday. classic Big Ten rivalry in the room. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Matt Wittenberg, this has been a blast as always. College football season reaching its conclusion. Uh, last thing, how do you think it'll you know, shoot your shot, the, the playoff? Who are the four teams going to be? Uh, let's go Georgia, Ohio State. I think TCU gets it done and goes undefeated. And I'll say USC wins out. I think it's going to be Georgia. Ohio State, TCU, and now I, I don't want to say Michigan, but now I feel like I've been boxed into a corner. <laughs> um, let me let me just let me get real. Yeah, yeah, I know. I just I, I think I did box myself into a corner. I'll say Michigan. I'll say that because I don't think LSU is going to beat Georgia, and uh, I think that I think that uh, Michigan will just have to play Georgia and get killed. So their last two games of the year will be beat down. So. That's kind of how I think it's going to be. But if LSU does it, they'll be in. Uh, Clemson not dead either. Obviously, USC, a lot to digest. Matt Wittenberg, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect, talking some college football. Absolutely. Can't wait to see it all play out. Huge thanks again to Matt Wittenberg. Always a blast talking some college football with him. Sad the season's over, but what a final weekend we got. A big full slate of games. Ohio State, Michigan, you know what I'll be watching. You know who I'll be rooting for. But thanks again to Wit. Now we go to the pro game. It's Ryan Souls. We talk Mahomes. We talk Josh Allen getting back on track against my Browns. Cowboys rolling the Vikings. Bengals over the Steelers. A lot to discuss. We try to talk about the pecking order of the AFC as well and try to find some good teams in the NFC. Here's Ryan Souls now talking pro football on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, talking pro football, talking a lot of NFL action, a lot to discuss, uh, some new faces, some old faces, but a familiar one on this show, Ryan Souls. Welcome to the Money Mitch Effect, Ryan, and uh, it's it's been a minute, but maybe we're starting to see some semblance of a, a pecking order in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, happy to be here, bro, and we, I think we are. I don't think anybody is is dominant head and shoulders, but we are starting to see some teams break away from the pack. And uh, it's going to be an interesting back half. It's got to be the Chiefs, though, right? Like, let's start there. And I know I'll do respect to your Eagles, which we'll get to in a second. But I know they're not a perfect team. The defense is, is okay. But 
Mahomes is the guy now. He's clearly the guy, you know, the best in the league, and I think this is the first, oddly enough, as good as he's been, I think this is the first time where I just don't know that he has a, a true equal at the moment. And uh, that Chargers game, the comeback that he led, it almost felt like it was expected. I don't know what the Chargers did to piss off Travis Kelsey, but he always destroys them every time they play. And realistically, Ryan, one of the stats that jumps out at me, 14 straight division road wins for the Chiefs is just insane. And and the only one that is more than that all time is Joe Montana had 20 against the NFC West back in the day. But what Mahomes does for this team, and you know, you could you could change pieces. Hardman didn't play. Pacheco is the running back now. Uh, there's injuries across the board. He just plays. He makes big plays, and you know he he completes comebacks, and he's done it again. And I think the Chiefs of all the teams, they're the only ones that I would feel pretty certain that they're going to make a deep run. Like that was to be the only upset, Ryan, that would actually shock me. Yeah, I agree. And you literally took the words right out of my mouth. Like we were on, we're lockstep here because, you know, at the beginning of the season, I was definitely um, one with a, with a bunch of other people. I'm sure saying how much they were going to miss Tyree Hill in this offense. And Patrick Mahomes has just shown he is the best quarterback in football. This is going to, you know, I don't know if we'll look back and do this, but, you know, you and I <clears throat> spending time, you know, all of college together and getting to kind of watch that that time period kind of together in person. It really reminds me of young LeBron in Cleveland when I don't know if, his peers in the media were ready to recognize him as the best player in the league. But most of us knew like, you know, you could argue, but it's him. And I think we're about to be looking at that for the next 10 years with Patrick Mahomes where, yeah, you could, you could really make the argument that, you know, he's the best player in football. You know, I'm, I'm one specifically not to put that on the quarterback all the time, but the, the stuff that this guy does, man, it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I would just add to that. This I don't think this should be a referendum on any other quarterback, any of the good ones, any of the ones. I just don't think it's fair to compare them. Like, for example, in this game, Justin Herbert. I don't mm-hmm. think this makes Herbert look bad by saying there's nobody like Mahomes. It's just that's the guy, you know. Mahomes, yeah. Herbert didn't play bad. Like, he played well. He made some great throws in this game. And that's not a knock on him or Josh Allen or any of the other names in the league. But Mahomes is at a level that nobody else is, and he's elevating his team. And I just think that there is a comfort there that there's a reliability. I mean, it's been, what, four straight AFC championship games, and you could really make a case that in the next 10 years, what would you say, seven or eight of them is definitely in the realm of possibility? I think it's definitely in the realm of possibility. And I could be misquoting, but I heard a stat that Patrick has won 60% of games being down at least 10 points. Yeah, it's it's crazy. He's got that many wins down 10 points. We've been critical. I know you've been critical of the Chargers. All I'm going to say is there's seven teams in the AFC. The Patriots are the seven right now. So the Chargers are not out of the hunt. And the D-line injuries, like a lot of teams have been ravaged by injuries, but having their D-line just completely gutted, they were they were basically starting a practice squad player who just got elevated. So I think they're not dead yet. I don't think they're really a threat this year, but... You know, having to deal with the injuries they had is just tough for any team to overcome. Yeah, and to your point, you said this a while ago, they seem like they have to deal with some sort of injury every year. And I think there's some Chargers curse. I think there's some coaching decisions where, you know, look back. But, 
if, if we're being honest, and I'm not trying to rag on Brandon Staley, but who would you have rather had over the last four years, Brandon Staley or Anthony Lynn with this team? Mm. I think you can ask that question. And I, and I don't know the answer to that, but I think that question can be asked. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, it's probably the answer is whoever Justin Herbert wanted, honestly, whatever right. system he right. felt more comfortable with. But, yeah, it's it's been the same old thing with the Chargers. Uh, before we move on, I just think, are you ready to come over to my side of the Kelsey's the best pass-catching tight end ever? Man, I I mean, it's hard to argue against it. He's just – he's he's special. He's definitely the best route-running tight end ever. I'm oh, he's 100% yeah. the best route-running tight end ever. It's just – I don't know. It's it's so we'll have to have that tight end discussion another <laughs> yeah. day. I know we were having text yeah. messages just for the listeners. Yeah. Just in in West, you have Kellen Winslow Sr., Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, and now Travis Kelsey. That's five guys just in that division yeah. over the course of history. So I just you know it, it's tough. Dolphins is different. Time. You can't argue against anything, Travis no. Kelsey. No, and he's still going. That's the crazy thing. Like, let's wait because in a couple years there might not be a discussion. Um, all right, so Ryan, looking at the other teams, your Eagles got to nine and one. That's the good. The bad is how they got there because that was an ugly performance. Um, credit to them for winning the game and finding a way to score that touchdown late. But where are you at with a team that you know wasn't expected to be this good? Certainly is. Props to them for that. But the last eight quarters of football haven't been great. Is there any worry with what you've been seeing? Yeah, there's definitely, you know, some concern. And to be honest, there was some concern before they took that loss. You know, even though they were undefeated for a good portion of the season, they were not a perfect team by any stretch. And I think, you know, the, the Cowboys put some of that on tape. I think Washington has definitely put some of that on tape. But, no, there's there's definitely some things to be concerned about. And I'm particularly it's the defense. And I don't know if this is – an artifact of, of Jordan Davis, but it seems like when you go out and get Linville, Joseph, and Dominican Sue, you're trying to stop the run, which we haven't been able to do. So if going into the playoffs, this we know what Nick Sirianni wants to do, wants to run the football. When it's short-yarded situations, you know what he's going to do, and you can't stop it. If they can stop the run on the other side, uh, I think it'll be fine. I think Jalen will be able to make the plays that they need to make my worry always. And it's been um, since the beginning with this um, team, what happens when they get behind because they play mm-hmm. really good with the lead, mm-hmm. but if they have to start trailing, so, you know, start a game trailing and the arena has to throw and the run is out of the equation. You know, we, we have to look at Jalen hurts to see if we have to do what he does, but we also got to look at the play playing because uh, as, yeah. as, I like Sirianni. They're used to being front runners. The line is a huge part of that. It's it's really crippled the deep passing game. Uh, Brown, AJ Brown, five catches, sixty yards. I mean, Smith was six for seventy five, so it was okay. But they weren't able to have their their normal full aerial assault. I think having a lead is important, especially you talk about Dallas. Like that game could not have gone any better. There was still some adversity, but they mm-hmm. don't get out to that start. Who knows what happens when Dallas can unleash the dogs on them? Yeah. Um, I also don't know. I mean. We're, we're 10 games in. He ran the ball 16 times. Is that going to keep going? Like, is that a formula that you trust? I guess I'm not sure. Hertz is built different than a lot of guys, but that's a lot of wear and tear on your quarterback. So, in the short term, I definitely trust it. Long term, not 
very much because the evidence has shown us that I trust it. Yeah. You know, I I think if if you're all in on this, and I don't know what that looks like, especially, you know, not trying to get too far ahead, but in the off season, paying a guy like Jalen Hurts what he's done for the franchise, but to the exact point that we're talking about, what he puts his body through. Uh, and it's not necessarily we're, they, he has to do this for the team to win. Yeah. Um, I think in the short term, uh, stopping these you know six tack offense off is live in the run game and the pass game. They're as dangerous as anybody. But long term, I have no idea. It's very possible too that this is the best division in football, which is insane to think of some world beaters as well and at least on the defensive side of the ball and some of those teams but i think this was kind of shocking that we'd be having this conversation when preseason we're like okay dallas or philly one team has to win the division but i know the giants lost to the lions and you know they're they're really beat up they're still seven and three so let's you know understand this is year one for brian dable with a lot of injuries the commanders who hey i mean i know they got you guys on monday but you know the and the texans aren't that tough of a team obviously but what they've done and how they compete with my guy terry mclaurin on that team but i and then you know you have to bring this full circle with talking about what the cowboys did to minnesota i'm I'm willing to chalk up bad games and throw them away we even saw tom and the patriots and bill have those back in the day mahomes you know they lost the colts this year bad games will happen but from the other side you saw exactly why dallas could be and i say this again brian could be your biggest threat to the eagles in the NFC, not just in the division. Absolutely, and real quick, because I'm going to talk about Dallas, but to that exact point, I think that's why you can say the opposite about Minnesota, just looking at them through this year, why nobody's really feared them. Mm. Because I think, one, the the quarterback, and we can talk about Kirk Cousins at, at a certain point, but Dallas, they're explosive, man. And Tony Pollard being used in the past game mm-hmm. has huge uh they have the defensive personnel and the speed to keep up with Jalen Hurts and coaching on both sides and yeah especially with how Dallas decides to manage Dak Prescott because well that's they get yeah that's the thing I mean I I I agree with what you're saying with Kirk Cousins and Minnesota although they do have Justin Jefferson which gives you a chance that said I don't mm-hmm. think Dak is particularly better you know so no I think maybe, they're kind of the same yeah i think the defense obviously is better in dallas like if you've got powered going powered and zeke together could be something I, again it's like both eagle wins were just in the viking game on monday night that was the perfect start touchdown mm-hmm. early pickoff cousins home crowds going yeah. so so I, I think i think dallas's defense though is what i mean what mika parsons does and you know they're a team where they can just maul you defensively and Even if the offense, even if Dak's struggling. I don't know that you could say that for Minnesota, certainly, and a lot of these other teams to where if the offense isn't having it, your defense can keep you in it and maybe even win the game. Exactly. And I think that's what makes Minnesota a little weaker. If you have a coordinator who's good enough to not eliminate Justin Jefferson from the game, but double him and Mm -hmm. make even have to get involved in Oh, the Cowboys were so ahead that Dalvin Cook never really became a factor, yeah. so he was taken out of it. So I mean, you can't force the ball to Justin Je- Jefferson, and Hawkinson has not played well at all in Minnesota. It's just I'm curious to see where they go from here. Yeah, and I saw the stat that the Vikings, you know, eight and two on the year, 
which again props, but a lot of a lot of wins. They have a negative point differential. Yeah, they've been out for Yeah, so crazy to think about, but you know maybe they're going to regress the mean uh, going forward. Ryan Soles, I may walk in that door. <laughs> no, but they're eating too. You know, and the, and the Packers are down. We'll see. Uh, Ryan Soles here on the Money Mitch Effect. More stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can look at some of the bad teams and the teams that are struggling and. Obviously, Green Street, they lost on the Thursday night game to the Titans. But the Rams without Cooper Cup, Ryan, are one of the worst teams in the NFL. I mean, it's just staggering. And, you know, we'll see what happens as we record this with the Monday night game. But the fall from grace for the Rams at losing to the Saints and Andy Dalton is kind of startling. I, I just think I this is not a Super Bowl hangover. No, it's not. And, and to be honest, um, not to cross sports again, but I think if you're a Rams fan – just like if you're a Lakers fan at this time, you look at like the totality of things, what the moves that they made, no matter what order, were made in the... Well, okay, I, I think I see what you're getting at, like to, to win a championship, right? yes. But, but so, here's where I draw a counter, and I think it's tougher to compare. The NFL... Like, parody is the name of the game, right? Mm-hmm. And there is no guarantee, even if you have one of the best generational players. I think the NBA, and that's where, you know, this is where I'll just go tread some water a little bit, but if you have LeBron and, and Anthony Davis, I mean, assuming that they're healthy and they could play, which isn't a guarantee anymore, but you're going to be in the mix, right? Like, you don't have to sell the farm, you would think, because you could be sacrificing the future where more championships are are profitable down the road. But in the NFL, like I, I get it more in the NFL because this is it. You have a short window. It could be here today, gone tomorrow. And I actually understand it more. It's probably why it doesn't happen because it's harder to do. It's harder to find all these pieces and make the picks trades that, work. Yeah, it's harder to do. And actually, it would almost make more sense in the NFL because if you could just look at what the Eagles do on a smaller scale, how – they can consistently add defensive line talent so they can build strength on strength. So when you have Fletcher Cox leaving the game and a fresh and Dominican Sue is entering the game, you don't give up anything on mm-hmm. that part. And I yeah. think going, going back to the Rams, what's going to happen is now like fans aside, what there's going to have to be a bunch of decisions made on yeah. Okay, Stafford, can you can you protect Stafford for one? Because if you can't protect him, I think he would just retire. Or he's gonna get played out of the game, unfortunately. And then I feel like, and I brought this up to you via text. Aaron Donald's probably gonna retire, but you got to see what you can get for Jalen Ramsey. And, and because at this point, you're you're not gonna win anymore, and you don't have. I just yeah. Any- for the future either i don't know what the trademark trade market is for veterans as good as they are right. like this like what what's the return and what's 50 cents on a dollar versus full market value it's tough i, I would just bring it full circle with this because i think their future without having the picks is going to be rough in the years to come would you rather be the rams or the denver broncos man that's <laughs> tough because I, the bronco this might be the worst quarterback contract Ever. My God, you might be right, and there have been some bad ones out there, but he's going to collect every penny because she offered it to him, and that's how it works. Exactly. So I, to be honest, that's a really good question. I don't I don't know who I'd rather be because – and I don't know if you want to jump to the Broncos, but 
this is obviously more than just a Nathaniel Hackett problem, of course, and whatever's done, I, I imagine they're going to fire him. I think right, he, like, it, I, I, th- I think, because, like, that Raiders-Broncos game is actually interesting, and it also, I'm more cautious on one-and-dones. I think first years, you know, we have to assume it's going to be rocky. The Raiders aren't having a great year, but when I saw, like, how the like how Carr was emotional last week when they lost, and, you know, they've played in a lot of games. They've blown a lot of it very dumb decisions and plays but there wasn't a time they can't be nobody but they beat the broncos twice well the thing is like yeah the thing being like when it's bad i want to see like kind of like the chicago bears right i want to see glimpses of like oh this could be maybe something like there's no guarantee obviously so yeah. i'm not saying there's a lot of hope but i i could say that there's you know Devonte adams has kind of gone off when they've gotten him the ball and in chicago fields is running around doing pretty well but it's like in denver there's no hope like it's void of hope, and that's where I think there is the levels to just how bad it could get. Yeah, and and I think the the one thing to well two things with with Las Vegas. I think Josh McDaniels maybe what he does on offense needs more than a full season to set in to all the talent that they have to figure it out. I think that could be part of it too, because he exactly hasn't. Uh, been perfect in his head coaching you know career and then I think second they got to figure out the draft too because well that's that's the thing they've they've been cutting players that the previous regime messed up horribly so horribly so I'll give them a break on that because these players that they're getting rid of that was the old regime you know it was brutal it's it's gonna go down as one of the worst they're literally cutting first round picks exactly exactly and then I don't know. I have to see. I haven't looked at the draft board, but I don't know if they're going to be in play for any of these quarterbacks. But it doesn't mm-hmm. look like Derek Carr is going to be there. Um, and I'm just I, because this this offense seems ready made to still be successful with everyone healthy. Yeah, can I, I, I don't. Yeah, can I tell you though? You talked about the quarterbacks. I'm kind of talking myself into how fun it would be if my guy C.J. Stroud goes to the Lions. And plays with St. Brown, Jameson Williams coming off injury. Could be a fun little offense there. That could be fun. It yeah. really could be, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, it's a tough situation. Uh, one last thing before we kind of look at some of the matchups going forward. Uh, the AFC pecking order mentioned the Chiefs. The Bills beat my Browns just having a, a brutal year, you know, but to be expected in a lot of ways. But Bills mm-hmm. up, you know, the Dolphins were, were off this week. The, uh, the other two teams, the Bengals and the Ravens, kind of getting on track. How do you see the the pecking order? I don't even want to mention that Jets Patriots game. It was just horrible to watch. Yeah. But the the rest of the AFC, how do you kind of obviously the Chiefs in the top spot? How do you see it at this moment? Okay, I'm going to say that, and then I got something about the Jets. But okay, first, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think obviously, as we mentioned before, the Chiefs are kind of in the tier above everybody else in the AFC, mm-hmm. and then. I don't know what you're going to think about this, but to be honest, in that next tier, I think it's a grouping of a bunch of teams, including the Bills. And I think it's the Bills. I think it's the Dolphins. I think it's the Ravens. I, I think those would be the three teams. Mm, no I, Bengals, I, huh? No. I think. Well, yeah, um, yeah their, def- their, their line is still suspect. Their defense is reliable. But they have that experience from just a year ago winning in Arrowhead that I think you know, I, I would say Ravens are my biggest enigma. Like, I don't know what to expect with them. Like, they're mm-hmm. just kind of going through the motions. I would say the Bills' most well-rounded team 
of the bunch that you said, obviously. No surprise. They were hyped up. And I would say Dolphins have the surest single unit. Like, you trust that offense to put up numbers. The question well, being, I don't know if in, you know, I don't know. I mean, if they get the one seed, I guess that could change things. But, like, I don't know that I trust their defense to do much so of anything. Here would be my only pushback to what you said about the Dolphins. And this is why I kind of have them all in the same tier. We have not yet seen Tua with this offense go mm-hmm. Buffalo and how they play in Buffalo in the cold. Um, I mean, the seeding is huge because, like, if they win that game, they could get the one seed. You they know? could get the one seed. And if Tua – I mean, if Tua throws the ball okay in the cold, then I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt to see if he can do that in a playoff game. But if he does not throw it well in the cold, then that, that changes the math on things significantly. It's a good point, and I think the Bills had kind of a bounce-back game. They just lose a lot of these crazy, insane games. It's Mm -hmm. a weird thing, too. It's like the college football comparison. Are we penalizing a team for losing these close, chaotic games? Like, the Bills have some great losses, you know? You'd like to see them win some of these games. But they're not getting just completely destroyed. Well, and and we didn't, obviously, we don't have a show every week, so we don't talk about, you know, every week of football. But going back to, was it? With the Vikings, where yeah. they're on the one yard line, <laughs> why are you not practicing mm-hmm. the QB center exchange in the TV timeouts? You know, timeout who, you know who would do that? Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bill Belichick. Like that, that's the one. Tuesdays thing are situational football days. Exactly, and I just just stuff like that, and then, and I don't I don't know if this is true, and I've heard the Josh Allen Brett Favre comparisons. Uh, I don't know. If, Josh Allen's going to rattle off three MVPs in a row, but that's a conversation for another day. But like Brett Favre, Josh Allen will throw the ball to the other team. Sometimes mm-hmm. they catch it. Yeah, and it's it's true. I mean, I think you could say that about a lot of QBs. Obviously, Mahomes is in that rare rare area. Two has had some that have been mm-hmm. dangerous throws that have been dropped. Uh, no, I think your pecking order is pretty good. I just think Bengals Ravens. We'll see what happens in the rematch in a little bit. Okay, let me um, ask you. You honestly think the Bengals are better than the Chargers right now? Well, my answer would be I'm not sure slash no, but if they play in a big game, I'm obviously going to trust the Bengals because we've seen what the Chargers do in a big game. Yeah, you know? I agree with that. I'm just talking roster, like just going top to bottom. But I agree. I they have the some nice pieces, man. Mixon goes out. Pirine is, is as good a backup running back as there is in the NFL. And they're doing – you know, they put up – I know it was the Steelers, but they put up a lot of points – the last couple weeks, um, you know, without Jamar Chase, that's obviously going to help them. So I guess we'll see. This Titans game is interesting because we didn't say them. We think Vrabel's a top five coach. He's going to get the most out of his players. But if they can win this type of game with a defense that's just tenacious, that would show me a lot. But the Bengals, look, the Bengals are going Titans, Chiefs back to back. I think we'll have our answer. We will have our answer. Absolutely. What do you I'm got? Talking, what do you yeah. got about the Jets though? Because I think that was a classic Bill Belichick game where he just realized five minutes in, both these QBs suck, and I'm just going to win ugly football. I, I, I agree with that 100. percent But here's my big thing, and the, this goes back to Bill Belichick too. Do you think if the shoe was on the other foot with that punt at the end of the game? that Bill Belichick is doing anything other than kicking the ball out of bounds. No, he also wouldn't have thrown a pass play on third down. I think that was the other thing that gets lost, is the clock management at the end. Oh, yeah, timeout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He wanted them to punt. Yep, Uh uh-huh. Yeah, no, like, like, that was, 
at the end of the day, it's not as egregious as some of the other blunders because they still had to run an 80-yard punt back. And if you're a special right. teams coach, like that's the job. Don't let them do that, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it was it was terrible. And, and look, <laughs> both these teams have really good defenses. I would say top ten. I, I would for both of them. Yeah. But but for I mean for the Jets, it's like the 2000. What was that? 18 Bears, where you have an elite defense, but the offense can't get it going. Patriots. It's like you don't know if you can trust these quarterbacks and. It's a really tough one to have because you know you've you've got first round picks that aren't getting it done. I heard Rex Ryan this morning or even this morning or yesterday say that uh, Mark Sanchez is better than Zach Wilson. <laughs> it's true. I mean, he is so far. Like, I don't want to cap players because you do this and you get a couple wrong, like some with Tua and certain things. But yeah. I think as of right now. And how he handled that press conference was kind of embarrassing, but I and and, and to that point, uh, you have. I mean, it's either Flacco or the other guy, right? Mike, Mike White, White or Flacco. Yeah, yeah you got to sit, dude. This I'm week. all I'm all for like if it's a game that you're in, low scoring, not making the move mid game. You know, like I get why you wouldn't do that, but yeah, I mean, it's just we'll see. But hey, Ryan Souls, Money Mitch effect. Let's uh, let's just look at some of the games for this Thanksgiving week. Starting with a couple of interesting games coming up, uh, you know, and I know that we finally got football. It's going to be a great holiday season. We've got the night game. We've actually got games on Christmas this year. Uh, Bills, Lions, not exciting, you know, obviously. I Actually, maybe they are. The Lions have won three straight. I'm actually right. kind of intrigued with this game now. And Cowboys, Giants, we'll see how healthy the Giants are. But Cowboys, Giants, Lions, Bills, and then Patriots, Vikings at night. So maybe the Kirk Cousins bounce back game that we were all expecting. Yeah, I actually like all three of these games, to be honest. Um, that Giants-Cowboys game is, is going to be really interesting just to see how – just in the play, NFC playoff race as a whole, not even the division. And then I honestly think the Vikings might catch another L. Yeah. I just – Belichick versus rookie coaches, I, I just we'll, – we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, McVay disciple too. Uh, I don't think you're going to be watching uh, any seconds of Broncos Panthers on Sunday. Is that safe to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good on that one. Uh, Sunday slate. Oh, speaking of it, the Browns hosting the Bucks in the last Jacoby Brissett game, so that's going to be fun. Uh, we'll see how that how that shakes out there. Uh, Rams Chiefs. Poor Rams Chiefs in that one. I actually think uh, you know your Eagles in the Sunday night game against the Packers. You know that's got to be the bounce back game, right? Like it has to be. Sunday night at home, get back on track, you would think. Yeah, I would think it's a game to get back on track. And I didn't mention this when we were talking about the Eagles earlier, but I've heard the saying before, you know, it's a it's a mark of a good team if they can win a game and they don't play on all cylinders, but it just it's how they've been playing, it's more concerning yeah. both. So yeah. I definitely want to see a bounce back and then just jump over to the Packers real quick. And this is no no statement on Aaron Rodgers' overall future. But for this season, if they lose this game, you got to go to Rodgers and say, hey, we're, we're starting Jordan Love the rest of the season because they drafted him in the first round. They got to look at him. They have to. And, and it ain't going to go over well. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's. We gave you $150 million I, I get I get it. But, like, didn't we get a look at him in that Chiefs game last year? <laughs> like, I don't I mean, I feel I like it. it's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. But I think if they go to four and eight 
and how what is that? What is that leaving? Five games left. You got to see what what you can do in right. regular season, a string of regular season football games, and whatever Aaron Rodgers wants they do in the off season is what they do. But you owe it to the organization to at least look at your first round draft pick. It's fair to say. I just, I don't know. It's been an interesting year for them, and we got to get seven playoff teams. But we're almost here. We're post think. We're getting into Thanksgiving. We got December football, and uh, as you know, we got football on Christmas this year, so that's going to be a blast too. But uh, Ryan Souls, appreciate you coming on the Money Mitch Effect. We'll check back in before the regular season ends. But uh, thanks for coming on and talking football. I appreciate you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks to Ryan Souls, thanks to Matt Wittenberg, and thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Money Mitch Effect, which can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect, and it pops right up. We'll be back next week to talk more college football. We'll recap what we're looking at going into conference championship weekend, talk some NFL, hockey update, of course. Uh, And as a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for more special content there as well thanks to the guests thanks to everybody out there for listening my name is mitch michaels this was the money mitch effect until next time keep enjoying sports